This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Computer, this is Data. I'm an android. I'm a basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Hello, and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z, joined as always by Tim, a.k.a. Lakers Steve Kornacki. Tim, how is it going, my friend? <laughs> Tom, I'm doing well. Uh, you should you should keep in that first attempt so that people can hear how rusty we are. We have taken off. The two of us haven't podded in over a week. Um, I did a solo pod last Monday, but... Yeah, I so I was sick, and it also coincided pretty well with some uh, l- larger current mm. events. Um, so we we didn't make it to uh, our Wednesday or Friday editions, but we are back. We were just talking before the pod about how much uh, we need to get over in the next like week and a half to two weeks because we have the draft coming up. Right after that, we have free agency. So there's there's a lot of good stuff, and we haven't covered all the players. So we want to uh, bring it back. Talk some talk talk some wings today, not chicken wings. Um, although now I'm getting hungry. All right, this is <laughs> all right. All right, <laughs> carry, carry the pod. Yeah, Tom. yeah. All right, I'll switch team. in gear. It's been an eventful week. Just to kind of do some housekeeping, if you haven't been paying attention to the NBA, which is completely understandable, the players did uh, tentatively agree to the owners' December 22nd start. So that's what Tim's saying. Is it looks like bringing a free agency like 24 to 72 hours after the draft, and we're gonna try and sneak in some more draft. Uh, sorry, free agency coverage right now. Talking about. Who the Lakers have at the wing department who uh, could be free agents uh, and who we could add to make this team a defending champion, repeat champion. So today we'll get into – all right, so the, just laying it out there, right? The, the wings technically on the Lakers roster, like LeBron, we put KCP in this, Coos, Green, Dudley. I think Dudley might be a big TBH. But uh, and also J.R. Smith, who mm-hmm. is expected to ride off into the sunset with his uh, other championship. So this is kind of the lay of the land. Like we saw, obviously, LeBron playing up to like, you know, at the four. Kuz playing small sometimes. We saw a few of those guys playing like three wing lineups that had some success. Uh, I would like to see more of it defensively, to be honest. But. What did you think about the Lakers' wings play? Uh, obviously, with KCP and, and Green kind of leading the way as far as spacing the floor and on defense, how do you think the Lakers uh, approach the wing position this year? 
Mm-hmm. And, and when we say wings, it's kind of a mixed bag. If you look at the like what the offensive job was for some of these players, it like LeBron played point guard quite often. Um, defensively, I think this is where they're not point guards. They're not quite bigs, except for Dudley, like you mentioned. They're just kind of in between from like the two to the four for the most part. Um, KCP did defend a good bit of point guard. But yeah, the, the wings group for the Lakers was uh, shooting, I think, or, or attempted to be shooting. Really not even that high end of shooting, but LA did a good job getting high shot quality, which led to some good percentages. But yeah, KCP, Danny Green, Kyle Kuzma, LeBron, th- these were like the theoretical floor spacers that uh, we were just kind of shouting into the abyss game after game as teams were loading up and packing the paint against us. Um, but yeah, there, there, there's a ton of interesting guys in here. We have KCP, who is the one free agent. Well, so JR, I don't believe will be back and we don't have a roster spot for him. But other than that, KCP is the one free agent of this list. Is Dud- Wait, is Dudley... I Dudley think Dudley's is. also okay. Dudley's as well. I wouldn't be surprised if he come back, comes back. But KCP is the one big name free agent on this list that will demand some money. Um, has the clutch connection? Is is among the same tier of uh, free agent as several other guys that would be interesting? But um, yeah, I, I, if we start with LeBron, you know we we've spoken enough about him. He's he's mm-hmm. the man. He's gonna be the man. We it'll be interesting to see how he handles basically no off season. Um, him and, and we can talk about like AD in this manner because he's had more injuries and gotten more banged up, but he's still in his like he's very much in his prime years, still younger. LeBron's on the older end, um, so if we see him take it slow or ease into this next season, I don't think that would be concerning or surprising. I fully expect he'll ramp it up as the year goes by and be the same guy that we just saw in the playoffs again. Um, not concerned with him. Uh, we saw teams go under him in, in ball screens, and that's the one ongoing concern that really helps him either flip the switch or not at times is if he can hit those threes with defenses uh, going underneath on screens on him. But, um, yeah, I, I don't have much more to say about LeBron. Yeah, not much to say about LeBron, but, these are players that, you know, heavy contributors in KCP, Kuz, and Green. Obviously, we have Green and Kuz under contract. Kuz will be going into his fourth year, so we'll have decisions on whether or not to keep him. You know, that's a valuable asset to trade away somebody uh, to a team where they can have his restricted rights um, to keep him on the team going forward. And KCP is an unrestricted free agent, so... He could have made himself a lot of money going to an Atlanta. Uh, I don't see, you know, other teams like Detroit, obviously, uh, it's not going to pay him. They they chose not to years ago, and they're not really in a place to give him money. Atlanta is kind of interesting. I, I could see it happen, to be honest, but I think it would be a mistake for Atlanta. I think that would signal they're, they think they're closer than they should think. But it's a weird year. You, you know, you want to recover some revenue maybe by getting into the playoffs for if you're Atlanta. It, it's hard to say, really. But I, if KCP leaves, it's because he's going to get money that the Lakers cannot give him. Mm-hmm. It, you know, you never were going to win there. If he comes back, it's for at a price that you can afford. And you know that he's a contributing important part of. Uh, yeah, that they were stars in their roles. Right. The Lakers talked about that for the entire season and their roles were three and D they were not expected to handle the ball very much. 
they you know expected hit to hit open shots and defend and that's what they did and what you can look at that's what even coups became you know as the season went on with a little bit more cutting but the lakers wings they don't need to have the ball in their hands so much so they need to be able to do those two things respectively on offense and defense to give the team a chance to maintain that defensive identity while still opening the floor for anthony davis and lebron but you, it, I wouldn't mind, Tim, to have some playmaking, you know, a little bit out of the wing position. That's always nice. A little bit more, I mean. So mm-hmm. uh, that might be something that you you think about in targeting someone like Evan Turner, Tim. Evan Turner's I, a free agent. Did you know that? I, I did know that. Evan did Turner you know he's can't really shoot. good at passing? Evan, Evan Turner can't shoot, though. That's the problem with Evan Turner. Oh, yeah, you're right. But, I was being yeah, facetious. Yeah, I... I I do agree that if we look at those three guys, KCP, Kuz, and Green, KCP could go elsewhere. The Lakers own his bird rights, so we'll be able to he, – he won't take a, up one of our exceptions, which mm. I believe I mistakenly said sure. on a previous podcast. The Lakers can pay him a good bit of money. They may not be able to pay him what some of those under-the-cap teams can pay him, but – there aren't many of those and there are other free agents that may demand their attention before KCP's on their radar. So I think LA will have a decent shot to bring him back at or right around the same amount of money he could make elsewhere. Optimistically, for if, if we're looking at him um, from his perspective, I think. Kuz and Green have been the, the main guys in trade talks on Twitter in mm-hmm. conversations I've had. Um, it just from a speculation standpoint and looking at where we might be able to make moves for guys already on the roster to improve. And we've talked about guys being a star in their roles and a big benefit of this team running it back could be just that you, you know what you have and you know, it fits well. But like you said, playmaking is that one area that if we could get someone like KCP that can handle the ball a little bit more, play make more, that'd be great. Or a Kuzma that has a, bit, a better playmaker, that'd be fantastic. Or a Danny Green that can that can drive would be great. Um, these guys do have their strengths. They have their weaknesses. We saw KCP really step it up in the playoffs, especially in the finals. He was good in the playoffs. He was excellent in the finals. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, not as much. He was he was okay, but he I didn't really see the ascension with him that we saw with like a Rajon Rondo or a KCP. Kuz, some of his biggest moments were in those mostly meaningless bubble games before the playoffs. We saw some big shots, some buzzer beaters from him. So I don't know. We we didn't quite see that same growth with him. We did see him grow as a, a wing defender this year, and that was really valuable. But there are other wing defenders on the market, so maybe you look to improve there. And then with Danny Green, he in the regular season was a legit 3 and D guy that in the playoffs, the three-pointers weren't falling. He may have been dealing with an Achilles issue. Uh, his defense wasn't quite at the same level, but it was still good. He's better in some areas defensively than others. Um, and, and I understand why he's part of the Laker fan trade talks. I wouldn't be upset if we brought him back. I think if he's healthy and he's able to be the same guy he was in the regular season last year, this year, that's an incredibly valuable player. That's like, I mean, during the regular season, he was probably our third best player. Mm-hmm. So don't don't forget who he had been for a large portion of the season. But yeah, we could see these guys move. I think you want to look at shooting. You want to look at playmaking. You want to have guys who are good defenders. And the list from a free agency standpoint that I 
put together had a lot to do with those key skills. I'm looking for guys who at worst are good ball movers, ideally can play make a little bit. You want guys who can space the floor, which is why an Evan Turner wasn't quite on my radar. You're looking for versatile defenders and and guys who defensively can can hold their own. And some are more wing stopper types than others. But the, I think for me, that's on my my wish list. And you're okay with what you have so far, but there are other guys who have the same types of skill sets that may be good fits as well. So it's it's not a man, we need to get out of these players situation, but I would be I would be open to trade talks. I would be exploring things and I would certainly be looking at the market to see if you could upgrade. Yeah, you bring up that Kuzma Danny Green plus probably that, you know, 28 pick is probably the Lakers best shot with a young talent, some salary filler and a future, you know, a, a draft pick compensation. But the issue there to me is that that's a kind of trade con- construct that is like a two for one trade construct where you're getting the best player in the trade probably likely. But I think that hurts the Lakers wing depth pretty severely. In my opinion, you might be looking at someone like, you know, we talked about Justin holiday with Alex regla, they on the lower end of the scale, you know, some uh, Glenn Robinson to kind of fill the gaps. But I think that's depending on the player, of course. I, I'm talking about a hypothetical player on one side of the trade, so it's hard to quantify. But it's hard to go from two players that are just were role players, significant uh, three and D guys on a championship team uh, to trade those guys away for. Unless it's say a Drew Holiday, someone who really just you don't you get this guy on your team and you don't really worry about it because I think Drew Holiday is that good on both mm-hmm. sides of the ball that if you plug him into the Lakers scheme, it's absolutely worth Danny Green and Kyle Kuzma. Does New Orleans do that? Probably not. You know they can probably get a better package, but that's kind of the Lakers' big shot at upgrading that construct there. So is there? I mean, I know this is kind of a free agency thing, but just just get the the trade thought out of your you know the way because they're not in a vacuum, right? What you're going to do in free agency is based on what possible trades you could make, and the draft is coming up sooner than free agency. So do you see any potential viable trade out there that made sense for you? That's a complicated question, Tom, and that's one where I can have my own ideas. But then if, if I bring it to a fan of that team, they're like, oh, no, I wouldn't take that. Sure. And it, it'll come down to who else is available and, and what other options there are for other teams. I think if you look at some of the guys that might be worth a look, um, Dennis Schroeder would be a sure. ball handler that I take a look at. Spencer Dinwiddie, Spencer Dinwiddie, I believe, will be more expensive than what the Lakers have to offer. Kelly Oubre, I'm sorry, Kelly Oubre is someone who isn't really a playmaker, but he's a good three-point shooter. He's a good cutter. As a defender, he, you know, he's versatile. He'll take on tough matchups. He's really good off-ball defending cutters, defending off-screen shooters, playing passing lanes. His on-ball defense hasn't been spectacular from a data standpoint, but that's likely because he takes a lot of those tough matchups. So he would be someone I'd, I'd take a look at and be interested in. And in general, with any type of, of trade like that, I would feel confident looking at the free agent pool that we have, that there are guys, and we'll talk about them in a few minutes, that are available for really cheap or available for the minimum that could fill some of those holes from a depth standpoint. 
this I, I wouldn't worry about trading those two or three likely two rotation players for one and then not being able to fill that void. I, I think some of those guys are out there. And if you look at Danny Green and Kyle Kuzma versus, I don't know, a Mo Harkless and Kelly Oubre, I, I think you can argue that the Mo Harkless Oubre side might be more favorable for LA if you sign Harkless and, and trade for Oubre, something like that. I, I will have to go do a little bit more digging. I wasn't prepared oh, I know. much to talk about at this point in time. I've seen plenty yeah. out there. Um, but I think like Bradley Beal's probably out of our range. Um, Derek Rose isn't someone I would I would rather have the guys that we have and and try to sign a different guard than go after him. There are plenty of trade options that I've seen that I don't think would be the best to pursue, but I'm I'm certainly open and would be willing to hear what what you and others have have to offer. Is there anything you have in mind? I mean, I think Schroeder is an interesting name. It's kind of what he can do uh, on the, on offense. If you have him and Rondo, uh, I think it could still work. Still, though, you, it really gives up some of your size. You know, Kyle Kuzma is a long guy, and he's he's gotten good at using his length. And same with Danny Green. Like for all the shots that Danny Green's missed, you know, there's a thousand little things Danny Green does on help defense, and sometimes mm-hmm. he's a numbskull, you know, but he, that guy's a championship player. No, no question. And Kyle Kuzma, you know, I think we, we put a lot on his shoulders and he hasn't really lived up to it yet, but I, another team could see that as potential and, you know, trading somewhere. I could see them going out for, for Derek Rose. I, it's possible, but, Mm -hmm. um, ultimately I think they'll recognize they're better with that, Consist types of skill sets that may be good fits as well. So it's consistency in that continuity going into this coming season is another thing to consider. You don't even have that much time to install a new offense and game plan if you're the Lakers. Maybe if you're someone like the Bulls who's been off and, you know, the Warriors who've been planning for the last nine months, but the Lakers quick turnaround, you have to think that this offseason is going to lean toward continuity and that said, I mean, we have a list here, guys, that I mean, for a lot of different reasons, make a lot of sense for the Lakers. So if we want to expand and maybe get a minimum guy, you know, to replace maybe that JR spot, Kyle Korver could be a great option. Kyle Korver was drafted the year LeBron James was drafted. You know, he's going to be coming in probably. I mean, he, he probably could come for the minimum i think i don't think that's too crazy to consider he's probably valuable to another team like philly or someone else but no one has cap room so i don't know if he gets part Mm -hmm. of the mle either from someone else because he's in his 20 you know 20th year basically like lebron james so but kyle corver we've known him for years he's elite off screen shooter you know and he hurts you a little bit on defense but that you know, 40% plus guaranteed from three is, it's super, super valuable. Yeah. He's, he's someone that is an older guy. Like you said, maybe willing to come over on a minimum deal on a title team, have a very small siloed role, be good at what he's good at, not be able, not be asked to do much else. His playing time could go up and down. He would very much be a depth piece for me. Mm. But he would bring elite three-point shooting. He's still that guy. He is still an off-screen shooter. He's not at the point where he's just kind of standing still. He's he's still able to run off of pin downs, off of flare screens, all of that, which gives you a source of offense on a bench unit. 
you know, when LeBron's out there and he's standing in the corner, elite. When LeBron's not out there and you need to run a play, you can run a play for him and he can score off of that or draw two defenders and then make that simple dump off pass. Defensively, his defensive data really dropped off a cliff this past year. Um, He seemed far less mobile. He's not as good as one of those guys chasing around other players like him, which was his job this past year. I think he's fine playing passing lanes. He's fine on ball. It's not really a strength of his. He's not a super versatile guy. He's not going to get in your face. Um, But he can be good enough defensively, and the Lakers have enough rim protection. We'll see what it looks like next year. But assuming they have enough rim protection again, he's someone I'd be okay with on the defensive end. He's not like Inimic at getting to the rim, which is something that we've seen from some of our shooters. He can actually get a C minus getting to rim rating, a C minus finishing rating once he's there. So, I mean, that's good. That's that's wonderful for a guy at the minimum. He has sneakily good playmaking data. He'll make really high quality passes on high efficiency. And that's because of those off screen opportunities. If he's just standing in the corner, he's not going to be able to generate high quality looks for teammates because he's not pressuring the defense in the same way that he does when he's running off a screen. But because he's so good at that, he's done for so long, he knows all of those reads. If two defenders go at him, he's going to make the right pass. So you're not going to have him be your trigger man in a, in a set play necessarily, but you can create offense with him. And if the defense decides that they're not going to let him get that shot off, he'll make that right pass. So, you know, great shooting. He has that off-screen element good playmaking in specific ways. You'd worry about his defense, but at a minimum deal, I think that's someone that makes a ton of sense and is a really easy name that should come to mind for a lot of teams. Uh, And for the Lakers specifically, three-point shooting is great and we we need to be better at it. It's a very important part of the game. And he's legitimately a guy that is still going to knock down high volumes and high, high percentages of threes. And he obviously has experience with LeBron James in Cleveland for those, you know, three years, four years, I think they were together. And I I didn't really consider Kyle Korver until you brought him up here today because I had a side out of mind. You know, he doesn't didn't play a whole lot in Milwaukee, but I still think that is valuable and more valuable than what JR brought to the table this season. That's kind of what they wanted from that JR spot. That was the theory, at least, is that depth piece who can come in, spread the floor, hit some shots at least, you know, not completely kill you on defense and, and be a part of a scheme at least. And he's smart enough to, up, you know, uphold that scheme. So that's, that's valuable. A veteran of mm-hmm. a long time. All these things, you know, high character guy. He's going to come into the locker room. And, and that, all those things are also valuable as well. And, and he's not quite like the J.R. Smith situation or, or other older guys who we haven't seen play in a year or two. Because even though right. he was fairly out of sight, out of mind in the playoffs for Milwaukee, he still played a decent bit during the regular season. He still played about 17 minutes per game when he did play. And we saw him be good at the things he's supposed to be good at this year. Uh, so I, don't, I, I have less worry with him than I would with some other veterans who – haven't been in not just haven't been in the spotlight but just haven't played i think you there's a little bit more of a known commodity with him so you have a little bit more confidence there even if he didn't quite make make it on the floor much at all uh, for milwaukee during the playoffs i'm with it you know i'm fully 100 on on kyle corver for the minimum um him and jerry deadly you know at the end of the bench could be fun 
I'll, but Tim, if you mm-hmm. like Kyle Corver, may I interest you in the newer, younger version in Joe Harris? In theory, yeah. He's he's going to be more expensive than the Lakers will likely have available. Joe Harris, according to those Bobby Marks ESPN projections, should make between 14 and $16 million, So he's likely too expensive. But I, 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 it's a good thing that, that we grouped him in with Corver because he's that kind of guy. Yeah. Offensively, same job. Off-screen shooter. Defensively, same job. He's a chaser. Really good three-point shooter. Elite three-point shooter. Very prolific, very efficient shooting off of screens. He's a really good playmaker within his role in those same kinds of ways. Um, he's a weak defender, just like Korver. Uh, he does get to the rim and finishes well at the rim in an underrated way. It's not really his reputation, but he is more than just a three-point shooter. So that is is nice. That, that's valuable. I think he's a step up from Korver in that respect. Is he enough of a step up that you want to offer him your – MLE in lieu of someone else and will he take it maybe not um I don't know but 66 another older guy he's well not super old but 29 so he's he's old enough that we don't expect big growth from him but not too old that we expect him to like fall off a cliff or anything he should be next year who he was this past season for the most part so interesting guy I'm not sure he's the best for, fit for LA from a money standpoint but he'll, if he'll come I think he's really interesting, but I think Corver's uh, an arbitrage opportunity to get, you know, 60 to 70% of that same player for just a very small fraction of the cost. Yeah, you have to imagine that the Nets try to bring Harris back almost at any cost because that's a championship level player uh, at his age and and around those guys like Kyrie and, and KD. He's going to get open shots and he would also get open shots on the Lakers. I feel like if the Lakers are signing Joe Harris, it's like contingency like 7A. Like KCP is yeah. gone. Morris is gone. Like we traded Danny Green and Kyle Kuzma for drew holiday or you know something obviously being optimistic something less like janice schroeder you know if we're paying 15 mil for or if we're paying whatever we can pay for him it's because there are other guys at that same caliber who said no to the lakers and then like you said maybe our roster construction looks a little bit different so i don't i don't foresee i wouldn't project him going to la i think him going to the nets is the the smart bet but yeah he's a good player i'd be happy to have him on my team just don't know if it makes sense this year. No, he's good. I think I, I hesitate to use the word sneaky athletic because we all know what that means. But he's athletic. He's White. pretty like he can get to the rim. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I like him. I like Joe Harris as a player. I'd love to see him with a Lakers uniform. But uh, moving on to another guy I kind of mentioned briefly before is a little more in the the D part of the the three and D equation in Glenn Robinson. Uh, now we saw him, he was on the Warriors last year and he got traded to Philly for second rounders, I think. And, uh, but great defensive versatility, you know, 93rd percentile. Um, he's six, six, he's a younger guy. He's, he's got the movement shooter archetype and B-ball index. Um, so he's in a wing stopper role, but you th- you're saying he's, he'd be better as a chaser, like somebody to go off screens and follow shooters. Yeah, so he's someone that I think is not in a good situation for him. 
he was not in a good situation offensively this past year in in Philly specifically and then defensively as well. His his job, what he was asked to do, is a little bit above his skill set. And because of that, his defensive impact was much worse this year than it generally is. And it we it would be expected to be if he were in a role that better suited what he's capable of doing. Now, he can still be versatile. He can still take on tougher matchups, but he shouldn't be your wing stopper. He should be more a chaser kind of guy or maybe a helper. Uh, I think a chaser role, like a, what I was thinking KCP would have been, um, makes a lot of sense. He can be that guy who's going to chase around your the other team's Joe Harris in the playoffs and, and be more of your, not point of attack, but your off-ball guard to, to wing defender. In that role, he's much more capable. He'll have a higher impact. He'll be a more valuable defensive player. And then offensively, he had F lineup spacing this past year from the lineups he's been in. And that is certainly going to improve on the Lakers. So if we look at his shooting and his shot difficulty or his ability to get at the rim, all of that data will look much worse than it probably should be just because of that that poor situation that he found himself in. Um, Like you said, he's more of the D than the three guy, but four out of the past five seasons – that three-point shot-making rating that we like to look at, that adjusts for degree of difficulty, was between the 50th and 75th percentiles. So if he can give you, I don't know, 55th percentile three-point shot-making on A-minus shot quality, that's going to yield a pretty good percentage, and that, that'll work just fine. He is weaker than some of those other guys in terms of getting to the rim or finishing at the rim. Um, he's not a playmaker, but a good defender, strong on-ball defender, uh, and he's really, really impressive off-screen data, and not just from a, an efficiency standpoint, but what really impresses me, and one thing that differentiates him from other players that no nobody really cares about or looks at, but I love, is if you look at the tendencies that he has in terms of how often he's coming off of that pin down and just running straight up, catching and shooting, versus curling that, versus any, if he's in a flare screen, how often does he flare off of it, versus he reads the defense and fades the opposite direction or ver- or curls. A lot of players, they use off-screen possessions and they only do one thing. And that's really predictable. It's really easy to guard in the playoffs. And we saw that with Portland. They, they run a bunch of sets where Dame and CJ come off of these screens, but you know they're never going to do certain things. So it's really easy to game plan against that and play and take away their strengths and force them into their weaknesses and know that their tendencies and their capabilities play in your favor. He's someone that can do all of that. And when we see guys who are able to do all of those different things, that indicates that he has a high off-screen IQ and he's able to really read the defense in those situations. So another really smart guy, under the radar smart guy that I would love to have on the team in that specific way um, so I'm, I'm in enamor- I'm enamored with that small part of his game, even though he's not the most elite three point shooter, but he's going to give himself better situations to score. He's going to generate higher shot quality for himself just because he reads the defense well. And for a guy who's projected to make two to $4 million, I'm really interested in buying low on Glenn Robinson because we can provide a much better situation, a much better defensive role, much better offensive lineup spacing and put him in a position that, that plays to his strengths. Yeah, I'll, I'd like to see that. I I don't know. Uh, I don't know about Glenn Robinson. It's a buy I, low. I it's time. it's a buy low. Yeah, but uh, uh, still a three million dollar contract is it, 
is not just something you give out if you're the Lakers. So Glenn Robinson feels again like maybe higher on the contingency plan because he's a smaller piece of a, of a puzzle and easier to fit in, but maybe contingency three, four after KCP leaves, you know, because that there's a, a, a huge missing element there of off. Like you say, he's a movement shooter. He's only ever gotten up to, th- you know, three attempts a game is really where he's ever lived at. And you, mm-hmm. you can say some of that's coaching, some of that's role, some of that's opportunity. I don't see the shooting. And, and to me, at least if you have someone like a Joe Harris or Kyle Korver, that um, that gravity on the second unit is more important than, mm-hmm. you know, Glenn Robinson would have to be our starting two guard and with like Danilo, Danilo Gallinari came or Serge Ibaka and they ended up getting a bigger piece than a wing and you can't return KCP takes a big deal in Atlanta. That's the kind of pathway I could see Glenn Robinson getting minutes on this team like an Avery Bradley kind of, you know, parallel mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, he's not someone I would have a ton of confidence putting into KCP's role and rolling it out next season and trusting that the three-point shooting is there, trusting that the Lakers will put him in a better defensive role. Um, It it is more of a prove-it, buy-low. If you can pay him a vet minimum, which for him might be, I don't know how much it would be. Maybe it might be $3 million, but it only is is a minimum salary on the Lakers' books. He he in his from his perspective, a one year deal with the Lakers in a much better role for himself would help him raise his market value next offseason. So if you're the Lakers and it's a matter of money, I think you can make a pretty strong pitch. But yeah, he would be more he he'd be the the bench two guard that I'd want to bring into the game. And I think he would be a strong guy in that kind of position as like a two three sort of sort of player. Um but at the, I mean, at the price that you might have to pay, you can probably bring back KCP and then also sign him, in theory. So in, in theory, I I would rather have KCP than him. Like you said, he's not. He wouldn't be one of the top options, especially if we're saying, okay, if KCP's not coming, how do we spend this money? But mm-hmm. if he, if he can be a bench piece, movement shooter slash chaser defensively, I think he'll return excess value for the money in in that role but i wouldn't i wouldn't just because i think he's a good buy low doesn't necessarily mean i think he's capable of the same production that kcp could could be so there's value there but not in in the absolute sense he's not the same caliber of player see i'm just trying to think even then what that role would be like maybe he he would end up even taking time and minutes away from alex caruso because you're gonna play rondo caruso and glenn robinson at the three is he gonna play have to play up a little bit to guard your wings in that second unit where the lakers had kuzma this last season and kuzma maybe shifts up and i just wonder i i'm trying to fit him into the other pieces that are likely to return in green and kuzma uh, and rondo i think Mm -hmm. i i would put into that category as well so it's it's just tough for me to kind of project that that fit, uh, even if we kind of return most of what we have. Yeah, that's a good point. He might be someone who, I mean, as you originally mentioned, would be someone to take a look at if we make a trade where Danny Green and KCP mm-hmm. leave. Or if, right. uh, I'm sorry, not Danny Green and KCP, uh, Kuzma and Danny Green leave. 
um, or KCP leaves or Ronda leaves. Yeah, like you said, his his minutes in the rotation could be a bit iffy. But if if you're looking at him versus other minimum guys for like your Quinn Cook bench spot or your Jared Dudley bench spot, I'd, I think he'd be worth a look. But yeah, the, the fit would be a question. And if he's looking at finding somewhere to fit in well and, and raise his value, he would probably be looking somewhere where he can have a more solidified rotation spot. I mean, I think he's the guy that makes sense in Atlanta as well. You know, I think he could fit in to some team that needs some wing defense. There's a lot of teams out there that are have great, you know, look at someone like Portland. You just mentioned there's just such strength in the backcourt offensively that they just really lack in the, the middle, you know, part of the floor. In I mean, the middle part of the lineup, excuse me, with those wings, that's really hurt them with with having to force them mellow into that spot. And Gary Trent Jr. had some nice minutes. But when they lost Hood and Ariza, like, a lot of teams need that defensive three players. So he's valuable. I think there's a chance he could get more than four million. But, you know, Bobby Marks knows his stuff. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um Another guy we can kind of move on to is a little more of a, you know, 3-4 we saw in the finals was Jay Crowder. He's an unrestricted free agent. He's a guy who was a very streaky shooter, right? He had that one like great 40% shooting season in Boston and the next year was just just terrible, terrible. And we saw it again in the playoffs when he kind of peaked in the conference finals. And once the finals started, he his shot really wasn't coming back but we did see him play big minutes um he's he's a feisty guy you saw him get into it with lebron he's a competitor he he really did a good job at making uh the lakers work on offense he played great defense he could that's a championship player right that's a 16 game player but would he be worth that full mid-level which he's likely expected to get probably not that that's the the thing with him is I hesitate with him because offensively he's a wing on defense. He's more of a three, four, but his defensive role isn't as a wing stopper. And he's, he's not really that guy. He's more of a helper. He's an active off ball player. He has a bigger body. So you can like, he can use his body on ball in those situations, but there are better wing stopper players out there. And there are players who are much, you can be much, much more confident in their three point shooting than Crowder. So I don't think he's the best fit for the the jobs you're looking to fill. And at the price tag, I, I would p- probably rather stay away just because of how many question marks that would there would be. And if you do pay him that money, that means you're probably uh, foregoing the opportunity to sign other players, maybe not even wings, but better bigs or better better guards as well. It's a tricky grass is greener always in the, the dealings of the NBA with free agency and trade possibilities. You could think about all the great things you could put together, and that's part of what so many people love about the NBA. But at the end of the day, the pieces actually have to fit on the basketball court, right? You can't just play GM making trades for trade's sake because it's going to be hard to to bring in a guy that you just played in the finals. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. He went at it with LeBron. I feel like there's no love lost there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's a feisty guy. He's a competitor. He, if he were on the team, would would give it his all. Yeah. There just may be better options available. He might be a better fit in what he's good at doing for another championship caliber team. 
All right, so moving on to someone we kind of briefly talked about in the guard section, who's Langston Galloway. Um, Langston Galloway is a, is a good three-point shot maker. He's a kind of off-screen guy with good ball mover data, had a lot of uh, below-average to elite three-point shot making skills. Uh, tell, expand upon that. How is that a, a thing? Yeah, it's a little bit jumpy. Uh, you generally don't see that from players. He's he's had several seasons where he was it, it, not awful. We're not talking Jay Crowder where he's like fifth or eighth percentile, where he's only higher than eight percent of players. Um, but like fortieth percentile to like sixtieth, uh, seventieth percentile most of the time, and then every now and then just a crazy year on high shot quality, which I like can give him even if he's on the lower end of his outcomes, which is still just not bad, just a little bit below average, I think he'll still give you decent percentages. If he gives you the high end of what he can in what he did this past season, then you're adding an elite three-point shooter. So there's a little bit of ambiguity. Thankfully, just the lower end of that still is is okay enough that it wouldn't disqualify me from, from looking at him. If we look at the just the jobs that he played and how he would fit in, he would be kind of like an, an Avery Bradley defensively, not not like that same kind of pesky guy, but he's a point of attack defender. And then offensively, he'd be more your KCP replacement as a movement shooter. He has strong ball mover playmaking data uh, with his B caliber efficiency, his B caliber quality. He's good, but not great as a perimeter defender. He's strong on ball and and with his ball screen defense and off ball, his uh, passing lane defense has been a bit up and down. I think that can depend on what role he's in. His on ball steal rates are really, really high. So that's a nice thing to have. The downside with him is he's not getting to the rim. He's not finishing at the rim all that well. Um, but he's another guy that can create uh, offense with his off screen shooting where he on this past season had an A rate very active in those, and then an A-minus efficiency scoring on, on those off-ball screens. So another player that can do that same sort of Joe Harris, Kyle Korver kind of offense at a pretty efficient level that may be available for 4 to $6 million based on what Bobby Marks is thinking. Yeah, just pulling him up here on basketball reference too. It looks like he's shot at the rim percentage has gotten gotten better every season he's kind of been in the league. Started pretty bad uh, and has gotten up to 67% zero to three at the rim uh, field goal percentage by distance. I mean, getting better? I don't know. Not, it's still not good, but it's it, – yeah, it's not good. <laughs> but with even with guys who aren't good at finishing at the rim – Bad finishing at the room is still generally pretty good offense. Um, it's not something you you know covet, but uh, you could do worse in theory. He's he's not a finisher at the rim. That's that's a very clear weakness for him. I just feel like I've seen like zero Detroit Pistons basketball over the last three years, and the last time I saw him was like yeah, New Orleans or something is where I remember him last. So. Mm-hmm. It's 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 tough for me to really have anything to say. I'm just looking at the data here, just trying to. He's getting yeah. better. the The numbers they're 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 better. Here's what he's good at. Here are his his badges, his B ball index badges, like a, like a two K badge. He's okay. a gold corner specialist. He's got a silver catch and shoot badge. He has a silver dead eye badge, which means he's able to shoot pretty well even when he's contested. He has a silver transition phenom badge. He was very active, very efficient when it came to scoring in transition. So he'll he, he's not going to you know run the ball down himself, but running on the wing or as a trailer, you kick it out to him, he's going to knock down shots. 
And then he has a bronze giant slayer badge, which is interesting because he's again, not all that good at finishing at the rim, but apparently he did, did well finishing over uh, larger players. Which is most of the league because he's small. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> he's he's not he's not a perfect player by any means. If we looked at, at his impact this past year, he's a D minus PIPM, a C Raptor, a, a B minus real plus minus, which is generally the outlier. I don't know. He's good at some things, not good at other things. If you keep him in a role that has him doing what he's good at, I think it fits with what the Lakers want offensively. Defensively, if KCP leaves, he can he can fill kind of those shoes a little bit or I don't know. We we do have Bradley. We do have uh, Caruso to be more on ball defense. So you don't need him, but for the price, he's he's another three point shooter that would be available. I think the Lakers should look at adding one of these guys, and there are others available as well. But if you lose KCP or if you trade Danny Green, those are really your your only two legitimate three point role playing shooting threats. So you need to add shooting somewhere, and he would fit into that mold. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, if there is a contingency where Avery Bradley somehow opts out and and leaves, you know, you might want a little bit more to replace him. Look, anything's possible, man. There's so many weird things could happen. I don't expect Avery Bradley to opt out, but if there's a chance he can make a little bit more money, you know, with the escrow kind of going and changing these next couple of years, you might want to get it the the length of a contract I, I wouldn't blame any player of signing a two-year 12 million dollar contract over a one year for five because you know it's it's better to have that security these days so a lot of weird things could happen and and change kind of the dynamic of of how free agency plays out but Galloway and Bradley might not make sense on the same team so if Bradley does leave and yeah, like you said, maybe he replaces 40% of what Casey can do on the shooting side. And you still, you know, maybe you get Glenn Robinson for the defense side and, and they're two halves of the same coin to replace one guy. Um, mm-hmm. Another guy who uh, would be a, a target of mine that I would definitely take a deeper look at is Ken Bazemore, who's been around the block. He's about 31 years Laker. old, former Laker. We've seen him. Uh, offensively secondary ball handler defensively he is a wing stopper and he was very good in that role and and that is really where he becomes an attractive option he's a very good uh, perimeter defender he has a silver interceptor badge he has a bronze pickpocket badge so he's getting those on ball steals he's getting those off ball steals he's taking on really tough matchups 93rd percentile difficulty he's very versatile 90th percentile a minus grade versatility on defense and he shot okay this past season um that would be someone to fit into that wing stopper role um he's been consistently a below average but not terrible three-point shot maker so again not in the crowder range other than like an outlier season um but not not elite three-point shooting it seems like they're either good three-point guys or good defense guys and not too many in the middle this offseason. And if you do do both, you're going to make a ton of money. Um, and with the Lakers, if we're looking at improving, I think adding the wing stopper piece of it with okay enough shooting that we can provide good quality for, he'd be able to do a good job. Um, he's above average in terms of getting to the rim. So that's a positive. His finishing at the rim hasn't been good. Uh, his off-screen data wasn't efficient this year, but he's another guy like Glenn Robinson who 
the tendencies show that he has a high IQ in those situations. Um, just, just like Glenn Robinson, uh, not a playmaker, but very consistently strong defensively year after year. And I think if you go for him, that's why you're getting him. And you're looking for that A, A-minus caliber defensive impact, which would be very important for the Lakers. And even though he's only 6'4", he has excelled in that wing stopper job. So another guy who might make 4 to 6 mil, according to Bobby Marks, he he would be on my my list to talk to. Well, yeah, it's solid, solid rebounding numbers last year for at five a game for a guy who's 6'4". Um, he's got some good length uh, that could help on the defensive end of things. I don't know. He's he's always been a really poor shooter, like a low efficiency guy. Um, so he can get to the rim. He can kind of do a little playmaking, but it's going to be wild and turnover prone. You know that could lead to a lot of mistakes and and the Lakers' second unit. It's it's a thought. Yeah, I, I've I've liked Kent Bazemore. He's been overpaid when he was at Atlanta, Atlanta, but that's not his fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if he can give you, I mean. Pulling up, he's not he's not good at that from three. As a catch and shoot guy this past year, he shot thirty seven point eight percent. Okay, so that's pretty good. That's a B minus in terms yeah. of uh, catch and shoot numbers. So that, I mean, that's pretty good. If he's doing only that, and you can improve his shot quality from a C to like an A, which is what we've been giving those kinds of guys on the Lakers side of things, I think you end up with some decent percentages, and suddenly it looks like he could shoot again, even if he himself isn't an incredible three-point shot maker as long as he's close enough to average as long as he's giving you about as much as you would expect in terms of the shot quality and we give him good shot quality he'll give you he'll give you some threes so in from that sense i think he's good enough that i would have strong interest in in going after him particularly because of that defense and just enough enough of the three-point shooting to to get get you where you want to go and then with him the weakness is the playmaking in the finishing at the rim. So none of these guys are perfect. If they were perfect, they wouldn't be affordable. Um, hmm. It's kind of a matter of saying which one of these 10 players that can do like one of four things we want or two of four things fits best and we can hide their weaknesses most or we will ask them to do the least of what they can't do. I think we can get Kent more even though he's a secondary ball handler, we don't need him to do that. He can be more a uh, shooter, and we have LeBron to handle the ball, or we have Caruso or Rondo. We have other guys that can take over some of that for him and let him do more of what he's good at and therefore be able to make more out of him offensively than he was this past year where he was a D-minus impact guy on the offensive end. Yeah, be fitting him into a role he hasn't been in, which is the spot up shooter, three and D wing who doesn't have to do as much playmaking and and handle the ball uh, much less than he's used to probably. And so you think he can be a guy who shoots, you know, five, six, seven threes a game because most he's ever averaged in three point attempts in a season is four point five in 2018-19. I think so. I think in this offense, if he changes job and he buys into it, yeah. It's it's if like next season, I don't expect him to do that if he goes signs with another random team that's not the Lakers. Um, But I think this is the right opportunity and we can provide him the chance to to perform in the right jobs in the right environment to be that kind of guy. I don't know. I don't know if he needs to shoot seven threes a game, but if he can shoot four or five and play good defense and hit knock down 38 percent of his threes on a quality, that's. I'm I'm happy with that. 
I guess I'm not opposed to it. Um, I just wonder because there are guys who are in the league and they're, they know what they can do. And sometimes when they're asked to do this very specific thing, they not struggle at doing it. They struggle at accepting that role. I'm not just talking about Ken Bazemore. I'm talking in general. So mm-hmm. you see Danny Green come in and he shoots seven threes a game and he has eight field goal attempts a game. You know what I mean? That's been him for his entire career. He's always been that guy and he's good at that. And being elite and as a role player, which I think KCP has become elite at being a role player. Kent Bazemore hasn't been. Yeah, to me, again, he's been the kind of secondary playmaker on off the bench for a lot of those teams. And he's just I'd rather have a guy like Schroeder and maybe Schroeder doesn't give you what he can give you on defense. But I'd rather have that upside on on efficiency, at least, because to me, Bazemore is just even I don't know. It'd be contingent. It would be, here's what we're offering you. Here's the opportunity you have to win a title. Here's what we need you to do. Are are you willing to take that job on? We're not asking you to be our secondary playmaker. We're not asking you who has... He actually had an F passing creation volume rating this year. He had an F efficiency, a D plus versatility, a D minus creation quality, F playmaking talent grade. Like He is not that guy. and, And I would go to him and say, hey... If you go do this for another team, you're not going to be making much money in in this league doing that year in and year out. We're able to take a take you with the roster construction we have and allow you to be in a fit more for your skill set offensively that other teams may not be able to let you play. Most teams, shooting guards, need to be able to do some of these things. For us, you don't have to because we have LeBron and we have these other guys that can do that. You can be our three offensively that's our wing stopper two, three defensively, and we can make more out of you than you have been. And there, then you'll make more money next off season. But I get the skepticism. Yeah. 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 All right. So just moving on. I just wanted to get that out there. We can talk about a guy. We also saw in the finals. who's out there is Solomon Hill. Um, I don't know if we want to talk too much about him to me. He, he couldn't get on the floor in the finals. Uh, it's probably matchup specific to the Lakers because he wasn't quite big enough. But I don't see it, I guess, as far as role. He's a little sluggish to me. Uh, too big. Because he's a big almost, right? Maybe small mm-hmm. ball big option. Yeah. Offensively, he's like a wing in the sense – like he's a stationary shooter. He's not – He's not rolling and cutting. He's not posting up. He's not doing any ball handling. You go stick him in the corner, and there's a ceiling to what that can bring you offensively, and it's quite low. It's the lowest of any offensive archetype. So you're not signing him for offense. You're signing him to, if he is out there, and I don't know, you're playing Utah, and Rudy Gobert has to go guard him in the corner, um, which you know teams would probably switch or whatever, but he can space the floor is the, is the pitch with him offensively. Defensively, I think he's an okay small ball big options that that doesn't quite work depending on who you're playing, but he would be, I don't know if he's going, he's projected to go at the minimum. I think he would be a depth, smaller ball, big option that I lumped in with this group just because of offensively, he's more of a a shooter than a big man. But yeah, I don't, he he wouldn't be high on my list. There's low upside. Yeah. I, I don't see it, but you know, again, depth, depth size for potentially the minimum. 
So moving on to my next guy, who's, who's kind of, to me, the most intriguing and, and best option, in my opinion, out of the guys we've talked about today is Mo Harkless. Now, Mo Harkless is still young. He's 27 years old. He's 6'7". Uh, he's got the athletic finisher and wing stopper roles. 96th percentile defensive versatility, 96th percentile matchup difficulty, um, good but not elite defensive data across the board, and strong passing lane defense. What do you see about – I think Harkless going to New York for Marquise Morris <laughs> might have made the Clippers a little bit worse, but I uh, – sorry, excuse me, Marcus Morris. Um, but I also you know, don't particularly love Marcus Morris, and they gave up a pick to – to get him as well. But Mark Mo Harkless is a, a three and D shooter kind of, you know, above average in, in both of those ways. So how do you just, can the Lakers afford him? Uh, is, is that the question? So he's an interesting guy. I'm glad we're talking about him. He's high on my list and I want to juxtapose, juxtapose him against Kent Basemore. Because we have two guys who, one of them were considering a shooter, one of them were not considering a shooter. Their three-point shot making ratings are about the same. But Bazemore's shot quality was a C, and Harkless's shot quality this past season was really, really up there. It was an A, let me find the exact percentile, I think it was in like the 95th or 96th percentile. Mo Harkless is the the, the three-point percentage you get out of him. I think is what you can get out of Kent Bazemore if you just put him in a better situation, which is which is us. Mo Harkless, the three-point percentage he gave teams this past year was a byproduct of that existing high shot quality to the point where I don't know if we're able to really improve upon that. He was, okay, he was 94th percentile this past year. He's had uh, an F perimeter shooting talent grade the past two seasons, and he's a D minus career perimeter shooter. So... I like him. I'm interested in him. I think he would be a good fit. I think he's a good example of you look at someone who can perform above their head if you give them a good, you know, a good environment, a good context. And you can look at some of the other guys we've talked about as saying, hey, they can be like Mo Harkless if we get him into our system and we give him the same shot quality that he got. Um, He's not, again, talking about Harkless, because I I took this as a, a chance to Pitch some other guys, um, but looking at Harkless, good defender, versatile defender, takes tough matchups. He's another guy that's not really a playmaker, but he has a good he has good data in terms of being like a ball mover. He's not running pick and roll. He's not a high volume guy, but his efficiency is okay. His quality is good. He's able to find the right pass, which is something that's good to have um, because you can run a great play. LeBron can be driving to the rim, collapsing the defense, kicking it out. And then you need that guy that can turn down the good shot for a great shot. And he's able to do that. Some guys won't. Um, we have players on our team that weren't this year. They got the ball. They shot the ball. And that's okay. Um, but he'll he'll be able to optimize that possession and make the right play. Um, he's not a good on-ball driver. He's an athletic finisher, which, as we spoke about a couple of pods ago, is more of that off-ball guy who's cutting and getting to the rim. He's a good cutter. He's a high-frequency cutter where you would maybe want to tweak what he does is maybe he should be more of a stationary shooter than an athletic finisher or some mix of those. I don't want somebody kind of cutting at the wrong times, 
but I think he's shown that he has a good enough IQ to cut at the right moments and maintain spacing or at least functional spacing for an offense. So I like what he brings to the Lakers. I think he would be a good fit. He's not the same caliber of three-point shooter as some of the other guys that we talked about that were worse on the defensive end. Um, but if you can bring him in, he can be versatile. He can be a wing stopper and he can give you okay. Three point shooting on excellent quality. I'm, I'm into it. It's got an interesting story because there was that season. He shot 40% from three in Portland. And I remember he had a, a bright future ahead of him, you know, some almost pseudo like Tobias Harrison, uh, to, sorry, Tobias Harris comparisons, be able to shoot the three at that size and, Put the ball on the floor a little bit. But Tim, let me just as an exercise, let me read you his his three-point percentage from when he entered the league. This is crazy to me because it's literally a roller coaster. 27.4, 38 point three, 17.9, 27.9, 35.1, 41.5, 27.5, 34.7. And then he shot 37% in 50 games with the Clippers last year. Uh, and then he shot, got even worse, 28% in uh, 12 games with the Knicks. How do you quantify the data as far as what this guy is? It's really probably hard to to really nail down. You know, I'm sure all the circumstances give you more context, but that's four different teams and he's roller coastered year after year. That's he's just, again, such a great example. And I hadn't realized this until until this discussion. He's going to be a poster boy for me when it comes to for these lower volume guys. Um, right. He, his, it, when we look at his three point shot making and we look at his perimeter shooting data and we adjust for the shot quality, he's pretty consistently been like a D minus to F guy every single year. Um, that one season he shot like 40%, he was a C minus with his perimeter shooting, but every other year it's D minus F, D minus D minus F, F. He's not a great three point shooter, but if he's, he's okay, you can be, Worse than 90% of the three-point shooters in the league. But if you're getting more wide-open shots than 98% of them, you're going to knock some down. And a lot of these players, even if they're not what we'd consider good three-point shooters in the NBA, they're probably, if you throw them in an empty gym, pretty good three-point shooters. Um, so he's he's an interesting player. I think because of the low volume, because of the fact that he's moved around a bit and the context has changed in those different teams, um, Orlando, Portland, and then this past season with the Clippers and the Knicks, which he's very much good and very bad in terms of the shot quality. Uh, that's why you see a lot of that jumping around, but cutting out the noise and looking at some of that more consistent, stable data, which we look at at B-Ball Index, you can get a better sense for who he is. And he is a below average three-point shooter that if given the right opportunity, he can kick some butt and give you a good outlier percentage on a year. The same way that Again, I think if you bring Kent Brazemore in, you give him a shot quality, he can shoot 38%. And then next season, he goes signs with the Knicks and he shoots 34% um, or 33% or whatever it happens to be. Environment matters. Situation matters. And evaluating basketball players absent of that is doing yourself a disservice and it's going to make things more confusing and numbers less stable. There are very few players who, no matter where you put them, they're going to be able to give you the same sorts of stuff. And the types of guys for that tend to be your LeBrons or your KDs or your Kyries, more of those self-creation, I'm going to take the reins and, and run with it sort of guy. Situation matters a ton. 
Yeah, and he's a career 61% free throw shooter, and that's not a great indicator as to giving you any confidence that he can be a better shooter with increased volume, in even including the shot quality. So mm-hmm. I like Harkless. The stuff he can provide you on defense is, you know, something that you'd need to replace Danny Green with, which is what I think a contingency plan for Harkless would be. So then the question with him becomes, same thing as with Bazemore and those other guys, he's going from averaging two threes a game to can he shoot five five or six or even four. Um, Probably five. Five, I think five or six is a good number. Right. Maybe. But it's another guy that can match up with Kawhi and Paul George, can can guard Luka to not make – LeBron, you know, have to guard Luka. Because mm-hmm. the thing that Danny Green worries me about is kind of one-on-one defense. He's a good help defender and he can rotate, but he's a little slow laterally these days and can't really stay in front of guys at the point of attack. And if you can get someone younger in who could guard a Luka or could at least physically match up with someone like Kawhi or Paul George, it's it's valuable. That's that's valuable and something that Danny Green can't even really do right now. Yeah. And and we when we look at what Harkless is good at, the, the fact that he's six seven is a is a huge help. Yeah. That's where he differentiates from Basemore, in my opinion, who's only six four. If you want a wing stop yeah. and you want a bigger guy. Both of them yeah. have been excellent in that role, but uh the fact that Harkless is that size is really beneficial in case you need to guard some of those taller guys or someone like Luca who's gonna get shots off. Um his on ball defense is very strong. His ball screen defense is it's good. It's nothing special. Um, where he generates a lot of his activity is playing passing lanes. And that's something that shows up more in box scores and I think helps him get a bit more attention. Um, and, and for most of his career, he's defensively been a helper. He's been that free safety guy. But he can still be a good on-ball wing stopper kind of player. So I think you have versatility in what he brings you defensively. Um and and he can defend cutters he can defend in ball screens so he's he's just an all-around good defensive player that i'd feel pretty confident with i think with him or with some of those other players that have the defense you just have to figure out okay how much do we trust him to be a good shooter versus a base more or versus some of those other players um that have been up and down but yeah he'd he'd be at the top of my list or at near at or near the top of my list um, there are just specific things about him that are similar to other players that I don't see him poked at for in the same ways that others are. So I, I just like having that dialogue. But yeah, he's he's a good option. All right, Tim. So I'm going to throw out one more name at you that's not currently out there because he has a player option. And I'm just – this is likely not possible. But And then we're going to get to your last guy who I just want don't want to talk about at all. So I'm just going to clear the lane out for you. <laughs> Those efforts. <laughs> All right. So, what about if Wesley Matthews opts out of his player option? I think Wesley Matthews, Matthews, because he's getting, he has like a 2.6 billion player option. It's not like he's making, you know, waving away some big contract. I've always really liked Wesley Matthews, and he can do, he can. Be a discount KCP replacement to me in in role and a seemingly seamless fit like on both ends of the court right into that KCP spot. He that's an interesting name. He uh, and uh, I'll say his agents are uh, they they use B ball index um, 
Oh, okay. I was just emailing them. I've always liked Wesley Matthews. Yeah, he's a good good player. I I really liked his fit for uh, Milwaukee this past year. He is interesting. He's been either a chaser defensively or a wing stopper. He's been a chaser three times, wing stopper four times in our database. This past season, he was a chaser. Um, But the season before that and the season before that and the season before that and the season before that, he was a wing stopper. Um, So he's been that guy. He can bring that to you. Um, he's not as active as like a passing lane defender, but he's a very good ball screen defender. He's a very good on ball defender. If we take a look at him offensively, he's a movement shooter. So that's, that's a plus. Uh, he's a good, not elite three point shooter. Um, he had a three point shot quality this year, but still is, is, is doing a pretty good job. Another guy who's not going to get to the rim a ton, uh, from a playmaking standpoint, he'll be efficient. He'll give you good quality, low volume, low versatility. That's that's a ball mover if I've ever seen one. Mm-hmm. So I'm into that. Uh, he's another player that will operate from off ball screens fairly often and has been pretty efficient. So I, I a lot of the things that you see in other players that are interesting for the Lakers, you see in him. And this is a guy who had an A minus PIPM, had a B Raptor this mm-hmm. year. His defensive PIPM or PIPM or Raptor RPM was in that A caliber, A minus caliber range. His issue this year was offensive impact. And I think LA would be a better situation for him than Milwaukee in terms of what we would ask him to do. And I think he would fit in pretty well. Um, like, like imagine, right, that there's a, a scenario where uh, KCP goes to Georgia goes to Atlanta for uh, a nice deal. Mm -hmm. I think Wesley Matthews is the best kind of like one guy, one to one as far as, you know, he opts out. Maybe we give him the BAE, which is a little bit more of a raise than he would be getting from Milwaukee. It gives him an incentive and he's played with a, you know, gravity draw, like drawing big verticality. He's played with like Giannis. He can fit in around LeBron and, and Anthony Davis putting pressure on the rim and yeah, I've always liked him and I would like to see him as a Laker. That's kind of my, uh, I, again, it's kind of a long shot to me. I don't know. He could opt out, I guess. I don't know if he's getting the mid level from anyone, right? If KCP leaves, I think he's more likely to opt out because he, I would have those discussions if I'm his agents with the Lakers when, whenever they're allowed to. Well, go tell him, Tim. (laughs) I, Tell him Thompson. I'll, yeah. I'll let him know. Um, but yeah, no, that's a good name. That, he wasn't someone man. on my list because when I'm filtering through guys, the player option didn't even bother to look at it. So that's that's a For good sure. one. That's a name that that people should keep top of mind as things play out, and and we'll see the order of what domino falls first, and from from the Lakers' perspective. But he could be one that if KCP leaves, he's more likely to to jump aboard and only do so if he's able to make more money, like you said. Um, but I think he's certainly uh, worth more money. And if he sees a better path to a title with LA than with Milwaukee and a better path to making more money, I, I think he could be a great fit. And now it's time for the always, always anticipated Tim's bargain bin basement bonanza. Thank you for the strong vote of confidence, Tom. So, look, this guy is. I'm not gonna. He's okay. So let's talk about him. He's who we thought he was when he was being drafted. Good defender that offensively 
couldn't really shoot all that well and you don't know what role he's going to play. Um, let me just let me talk about him and then we'll say his name. Does that work? I, I'm going to do that. This is a guy, 6'8". He's young. He's a wing stopper on defense. Boom, checks that box. A minus matchup uh, difficulty. B minus versatility. By the way, Tim only does this when he, you know, knows the player. When he say his name is just all hell's gonna break loose, and you're gonna think you he's to crazy. Check your biases at the door, Tom. And got it right. Open, my open my eye, your my eyes, biases. people. You need to move. You need to be able to be dynamic in your your opinions on players. You can't have take lock. You can't have Carry take on. lock. Carry on. He gets to the rim well, Tom. B B grade getting to the rim. He finishes well at the rim. A minus. That's diff. We didn't. We haven't talked about a single goddamn player on this list that can finish at the rim today. But this guy can finish at the rim, and he gets to the rim. Um. You, hey, you know when the Lakers play best? They play best when they play fast. <sighs> and this player, if we look at his pace impact estimate which looks at when he's on the court, does his team play faster or slower? Um, this is from 538. We took this from them. 96th percentile pace impact estimate. When he's out there, his team's running. And I, hey, that sounds like the the kind of guy that can get LA doing what they want to do. Um, his three-point shooting is where he's weak. 20th to 30th percentile as a three-point shot maker. On D-plus shot quality, which LA can certainly do much, much better than. But if you look at his catching and shooting, uh, he's been much more salvageable. He came into the league not being able to do it, but the past couple of years, C and then a B minus catch and shoot three-point percentage. So there's something there. If he can be an average, and, and that's with bad shot quality. If you can give him good shot quality and he can give you average to below average three-point shot making, he's in the same group as some of these other players we talked about. Oh, but he can get to the rim well. Um, and again, for more context, Alex, uh, Avery Bradley, Alex Caruso, KCP, Danny Green, and Rajon Rondo all had A grade shot quality from three this year for the Lakers. Give that to him. I think he'll he'll hit a higher percentage. He's been a high volume, high versatility, low efficiency playmaker his whole career. And I think this past season in a new situation, he's been in a position to better play into what he's good at and do a little bit less of what he's not good at. I think if you drop the volume and you lower the demand on his skill set, he's in a much better situation. If if and, and again, I haven't said his name because we have these perspectives because we've seen him we've seen him fail, and we have these biases. But if, oh, if, have if he we? can play within himself, if he can bring you hey a minus <laughs> spot up efficiency, he are, is already there. He's already at an a minus cut efficiency. His impact this past season B B plus A depending on which metric you look at. And he might cost two to four million dollars, so that seems like another buy low. Uh, identify that people have biases, put him in a better situation. You know he's a good defender. He's always been a good defender. He's getting better. He's shown very tangible growth as a three point shooter while just being in a horrific situation. Um, his offensive role was as a stationary shooter this past year, and that's okay. If you can make him a stationary shooter, develop him into a movement shooter, get him into Phil Handy's hands, I think there's something there. He's 23 years old. And if you haven't figured it out already, this is Josh Jackson. So, again, this is the bargain basement. There's so much upside if if he can at 23 and help move the ball, help push the pace, get to the rim well. He's already efficient at the two things we want him to do, spot up and cut. And he's an excellent defender. 
was already a high impact guy. This isn't other guys we've talked about earlier. It was, it was, if you change this and this and this, he can there then have a good impact. This guy already had a good impact this year um, when he was in Memphis, which is a much better situation than Phoenix. Especially from, from a, a coaching standpoint in Phoenix has gotten better. So this isn't a shot at their current coaching staff. Um, I think if you remove the name and you look at the resume and you look at what he's good at and what we'd ask him to do, it's a, it's a good fit. So those are my thoughts. I'd love to hear your thoughts, Tom. Look, I'm going to put it simply, right? We, we saw Josh Jackson in, in summer league together when we mm-hmm. went to see, you know, that draft class of Lonzo Ball and Jason Tatum. And I think we were watching all of those guys. And, you know, I think we were even a little skeptical then about Josh Jackson on that stage. But it's too early to tell. This is all I'm going to say about Josh Jackson, right? Phoenix Suns took him fourth overall in 2017. Phoenix Suns traded him two years later to Memphis. So... Memphis had him for a whole season, and they declined his option. And yes, that probably has something to do with the fact that the number four pick in his fourth season yeah, makes something like that. what, like seven, eight, nine million dollars, something like that, right? <clears throat> but Tim, he is worth that if he's the player you described. In theory, yeah, you don't want to be spending that much money on a stationary shooter. I think you can get that ballpark of value but if we're talking about like a wins added sort of standpoint if you can let him be good at what he's good at and and like you said what third fourth pick there are expectations put on players if you're drafting someone that high you're not drafting a stationary shooter if if you like the guys going in that range you want to be a centerpiece for a franchise and being drafted that high means that you're going to be making more money just with how the contract works so I'm not surprised his player option was or his uh, team option was declined, uh, or what was it? He wasn't extended. Um, he no, just, his team option was declined. His okay. fourth year was declined. Okay, he's an unrestricted free agent as a four, third year after th- his third year. Mm-hmm. And my point is, in a, two different organizations, Phoenix traded him basically as a calorie set. Jesus, as a salary cap dump was basically how they traded him and then Memphis accepted him and if he's a 23 year old player who has all these skills you've just laid out and you're Memphis that nine million dollar contract in the last year is worth the restricted rights alone I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back to Memphis how about I say that I think they would have interest in bringing him back that's Tim's speculation I, I mean, I, I'm not there. saying that's that's right or wrong. Mm-hmm. I, what I'm saying is, organizationally, these guys have seen him, right? And he's mm-hmm. had some issues off the court. I'm not going to hold that against him too much, like like some people do, because you know people make mistakes, right? People change. People. He's 20 years old. Whatever. My point being is, organizationally, when the best capital you can have as a young player on a even a high end rookie scale contract, you have the option to maintain that player for like up to eight years sometimes, right? Because of restricted rights. And the fact that two different teams gave up on him in the way they did so early, just to me says it's too soon. I want to check back in on Josh Jackson in three or four years. If And that's the thing. If he were 28 and he had the same exact data, I think we'd have interest in him. If you, if you said, hey, this guy has A-minus spot-up efficiency, A-minus cut efficiency, he's a wing stopper, he's had a positive impact, 
he's in the past been in a role that doesn't match his skill set and he tries to play make more than he should or he's been put in he's been deployed in a role where he's playmaking more than he should i'd say yeah there's we we can make more out of that player than he is and get excess value if he's already available at the minimum or 2 to 4 mil I, it's worth the dart throw it's definitely right, worth the dart buddy. throw to me Tim wants the Lakers to sign Josh Jackson. We need to get out of here. We've gone too long. Uh, the Josh Jackson conversation it just felt my like I felt myself looking down at my body, like other body experience, because it's gonna be a no from me, dog. <laughs> okay, he, he probably won't sign with the Lakers, but uh, yeah, but best of luck to him. It's crazy how he's exactly who we thought he was gonna be. Who everyone right. thought he was going to be in college in Kansas. Uh, what, Kansas? Yeah. Plays defense, versatile except, defender. Except good. Can't shoot. Not sure how he fits in <laughs> offensively. And that's exactly who he is right now. Only the thing is, he's wasted several years in a job he's not ready for because those expectations were too high. And he was right. set up to fail because he was never that guy. He didn't take some crazy leap offensively. And I don't know if we should expect – like I don't. I wouldn't expect him to, but – in a role that matches his skills as a stationary shooter offensively, wingstopper defensively, he was highly impactful this past year. It, he's shown he can do it. So if, if, you, if you didn't watch him this past season, I, I, I wouldn't expect anyone to, and I didn't really watch much of him this past season. I wouldn't expect high remarks or high praise from many people. But yeah, we, we can end here. But I, I do think he would be worth a look. Okay. All right. We'll see. Um we're going to come back to you guys on Wednesday and try and get back on schedule. Um, at some point next week, we're going to try and have some guests on talk about the NBA draft here, which is quickly approaching. But uh, yeah, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Creative Destroyer. Tim is at Tim underscore NBA. And uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.